Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm going to send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. With work in the entertainment industry slowly beginning to trickle in and productions ramping up over the coming weeks and months, hashtag hopefully, dear God, let's hope so, you think that we could all just get back to normal, right? Wrong. The new version of post-pandemic work is going to be anything but normal. And frankly, you're probably already aware of this as 100,000 plus people just read my article from last week. Dear Hollywood, we don't want to go back to normal. Normal wasn't working, which you can read or listen to by going to optimizeyourself.me slash normal. And for one very specific group, this is going to be uncharted and frankly terrifying territory. Parents. In the latest Optimizer community Q&A, I and my coaching and mentorship program community welcome four hardworking moms in various stages of their careers in the entertainment industry. Editor Yvette Amirian, Editor Natalie Beauchon, Editor and Assistant Monica Daniel, and Assistant Editor Barry Winter have all been simultaneously juggling busy careers while also doing their best to raise children during a global pandemic. And in this candid conversation, we discuss how we can balance the vast needs of Hollywood production and post-production while still doing our best to be present parents. We discuss tips and strategies for handling this delicate balancing act and also the fears and hopes about navigating pre-pandemic expectations in a post-pandemic working world. All right, without further ado, my conversation with Yvette Amirian, Natalie Beauchon, Monica Daniel, Barry Winter, and my Optimizer coaching and mentorship community. Once again, my name is Zach Arnold. I am creator of the Optimize Yourself program and podcast, also been a film and television editor for Dear Lord, almost 20 years now, and I've been a parent for a little over 10 of those years. I've got a 10-year-old and I've got an 8-year-old, and I have a few guests on the show today and a whole community of people behind them as well, and we're going to be talking about a very strenuous, stressful, difficult conversation amidst the world of this pandemic that we live in, which is how do we balance being a parent 
when it's bad enough now, just wait until we have to go back to work, whether it's in the office, whether it's from home, this is gonna be quite the challenge for all of us. So what I would love to do is I would love to be able to have a very open, honest conversation about this. And let me introduce my panelists. We are going to be chatting today with Barry Winter, Monica Daniel, Natalie Beauchamp, as well as Yvette Amirian. So I'm gonna start with you, Barry. Talk to me a little bit more about who you are, what you do in the industry, and we're gonna go around, talk to our panelists, get to know them a little bit better, and then we're gonna dive right into this conversation. I'm Barry Winter, and I am an assistant editor on scripted shows. I'm attempting to make the leap to editor. Um, and some of the shows that I've worked on is The Middle, recently season two of Doom Patrol, Dead to Me, season one, and Bluff City Law. Those are my some of my recents. <laughs> Excellent. So now that we had that short introduction about what you do for a living, talk to me a little bit more about your situation as a parent. Yeah, well, I have one daughter. Uh, she's seven years old. And I went back to work when she was five months old. And it, it's always been a little challenging the whole time, but we've made it work. Uh, my husband's also in the industry as well. He does post sound. And uh, so we just, you know, we try and juggle it together. Um, we have an amazing babysitter that we've had with us for a long time. And hopefully when this pandemic is over, we can have her back more on a regular basis. So, you know, it's always been just a challenge, but we always, you know, come up to the plate and just handle it. <laughs> and we're, we're going to figure out ways that all of us can better handle it as we go forwards and, and forge through this together. So that is a, a wonderful introduction for you. The, the next member of my panel that I want to introduce, uh, she may require no introduction because she has been a longtime guest of this show many, 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 many times over. And that would be Miss Monica Daniel. So Monica, it's a pleasure to have you back again. For those that may not know about you, your story, your situation, let's introduce you to the people that are listening and that are watching today. Tell us a little bit more about what you do and also your situation as a working parent. All right. I am an editor and I also work as an assistant editor to fill in the gaps between editing gigs. Most recently, I edited on DC's Legends of Tomorrow for CW on scripted television. I've also had years of experience working on non-union shows for documentaries, game shows, interview talk shows, kind of you name it, I've pretty much cut all of it. I have uh, two children, a nine-year-old girl and a soon-to-be 11-year-old boy who is also on the autism spectrum. In last year, I separated from my husband, so now I am a single parent who is co-parenting. Our situation before was we couldn't really afford a nanny and you know, my kids also want to be able to see their friends. So I found after school cares that the kids could go to directly after class. And my kids went to different schools and now they will go to different schools because my son's going to middle school next year. And so I would use my lunch hour, which by union standards, they cannot take that away from me. <laughs> I would use my lunch hour every day and go pick up my son from his school and drop them off at the same after school care as my daughter at her school. And then their dad, who works all the way in Santa Monica, would have to pick them up by six o'clock because most daycares, unless they're on a studio lot, still don't care about the hours that we work in post-production or in the industry at all. If I leave at 7 p.m., I'm happy because that feels really early to me. Average was eight, and that was me working a job where I got to go home on time. And so now with the co-parenting situation, 
uh, with the way COVID hit, I, I was actually wrapping up on my show. So now I've actually been unemployed at home with the kids during my hiatus, my extended hiatus this whole time. So I've been doing most of it by myself. Their dad does come over almost every day, spend time with them, but a lot of that's falling on me and I'm not working. So when I go back to work, we're going to have to have some long discussions about basically distribution of our contribution to taking care of the kids because he does not live with us. And he also works really far away, but he's right now not going into the office. He's, he's working from home, but you know, he works in a completely different industry that has different demands. And so that's going to be a long discussion I'm going to have to have in a delicate situation since, you know, we are now separated and in the process of divorcing, but we are not divorced yet. So no, no real topics or challenges to speak of on today's episode. Then. So it sounds like you've got this all figured out. Excellent. So glad to hear it. <laughs> so that was an excellent introduction. I appreciate it. I want to move on and make sure we get the introduction to all of our panelists first, then we're going to dive right into the subject. The next panelist on our list coming back here to the group view of our uh, community Q&A members that are here. I appreciate having all of you here. The next member, dear Lord, have I just had to deal with this person for how many years now, Natalie? <laughs> My God, we've known each other since like 2004, maybe. But uh, Natalie and I, I th we first met each other when I spoke at my alma mater, University of Michigan, two years after graduation. But Natalie, you and I have known each other for a long time. You are my longtime assistant. You are one of the brainchilds and geniuses behind the entire Trello for video post-production workflow. And we're here today to talk a little bit more about parenting. So talk to us a little bit more, just brief introduction, who you are as an editor and a professional, and also who you are as a parent. I am cutting now. I've been cutting since, I think, 2017. I got my first uh, editing gig on Shooter. And so I've been cutting ever since. I did Shooter. I just wrapped up on Stargirl, LA's Finest Season 2, did LA's Finest Season 1. And so, yeah, and uh, you know, Zach and I have known each other, yeah, I, I, since 2004 when he came to speak and I was like a go-getter freshman and I was like, I'm going to go talk to this guy. He's going to give me notes on my really terrible short film that I was doing. So yeah, so they brought in my laptop, Zach gave me notes, and then I just kept bugging him ever since. And then eventually he gave me a job. So <laughs> great worked. networking tip, by the way, just bug them incessantly until they yeah. have no other choice. Well done. Yeah, I mean, I bugged other people. Zach just worked out. So, you know, your whole like planting of the seeds uh -huh. lesson oh, yeah. too. I didn't just oh, yeah. bug you. Although I did bug you the most, I would say. Definitely, would definitely most. me the most. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, my professional life up until now. Parenting, I have a two-year-old son. He's great, but he's a two-year-old. So two-year-olds do what two-year-olds do. Um, he needs lots of attention, lots of, uh, you know, me being around. And so the sort of like, parenting moment my husband and I are having is that he actually <laughs> he has a meeting at 12 30 that I think just got scheduled either today or yesterday or something and but my son hasn't gone down yet because I was running errands and I was late because the exterminator was late so I had to go I had to start my thing late so I wasn't supposed to be rushing in to get this to get to this but I am and so anyway so my husband's taking over putting him down for a nap and maybe missing his meeting I've been off my show since May 1st or May 8th so I, you know, I've taken over obviously all the home stuff from doing the stay at home mom thing right now. But so he's been very gracious with whenever I have something that has to do with work to kind of give me the time because someone has to be with my son all the time. He's not very self-sufficient right now. And so that's our big challenge is just 
we always have to be around him. You know, maybe he can be left alone for 20 minutes in his playpen, but mostly he has to have care. And luckily he sleeps for like two, three hours in the middle of the day. So I get a nice little chunk of time there. But otherwise, yeah, it's pretty involved. <laughs> all right. So then you're, you're in the same situation as Monica, where you've got it all figured out and you have all the answers for all the parents that are going to be listening and watching today that have yet to figure it out. So I'm so glad to have you yeah. as an expert that has figured all these things out. That's fantastic. I, don't, I think when you asked me to do this, I'm like, I don't think I have any answers, but I can talk about it. Well, that, that's, <laughs> that's the good news about this. Nobody needs to have any of the answers in order yeah. to find the answers. We need to have the difficult conversations to figure out what needs to be addressed, which is what today is about. But before yeah. we dive too deeply into it, I want to make sure that I don't forget about my last panelist. Last but not least, we have Yvette Amirian. Yvette, it is a pleasure to have you here today. You and I have spent so many ungodly amounts of hours on Zoom together, but now we finally have you in a public forum, and I'm so glad to, to have you as part of this conversation. Uh, introduce yourself to the, the group at large, what you do as an editor, and who you are as a parent. Hi, my name is Yvette. I'm an editor and I feel very fortunate to have met Zach at some point in my career. We've become good friends and I've, I've benefited greatly from your program and your friendship and I appreciate you having me on. I feel like I'm in the same boat. I don't, I don't know that I'm an expert, but I certainly love talking about this subject because I think it's important. I'm an editor. I bounce between uh, scripted and documentary. The last project I did was a documentary feature for Amazon, which should be coming out a little later this year. I think my last week on it was like the first week of May. So I was working from home at, at some point in the middle of the quarantine, but now I'm done. I have two kids. I have a nine-year-old named Zach and- Well done, I, by the way. Good choice. So if I names. use the name Zach <laughs> talking about my child, that's, that's what that's referring to. And uh, Alexander, Zach is not, he's gonna be nine next week and Alexander just turned one. So they're eight years apart. I'm married. My husband does not work in the industry. We've been together since we were like in high school. So he's kind of seen me through, you know, he, he knows what this business is about. He's been with me through the long haul from the very, very beginning. So I feel fortunate that I, you know, have a partner who understands the long hours and everything, but that doesn't mean that it, it's easy to navigate at all babysitting situation we do have we do have a nanny we're not utilizing her right now she's sort of helping us with like errands and things like that when I can't get out with the kids which is really helpful we're both from LA so we have our parents here but you know we're kind of trying to stay strict with the quarantining so we're you know utilizing them very 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 sparsely just really in emergency or kind of dire situations but I, I feel fortunate to have them in my life too so close by. Excellent. Well, I'm uh, very happy to have you here. Happy to have everybody else here. Now I'm going to address the giant elephant in the room. Why does this panelist only have moms? What is up with that? Why aren't their dads equally represented on this podcast? Because I don't skirt around the, uh, the obvious issue, which is that this is probably going to be harder for the moms than it is for the dads. That doesn't mean it's not going to be incredibly difficult for the dads. It doesn't mean there aren't single dads out there. But if we're going to start this conversation, I want to start at the heart, at the root of the conversation, where I think this is going to be the most challenging, even if maybe that wasn't the popular choice. That's how I want to start this conversation. But knowing that, I want to go back to the entire group, and I want everybody that's on this call right now to raise their hand if they have children. So you can see we, we have, a, have a little bit of the, the male representation as well here. So where I would like to start is I would like to identify with each of you what you think the most pressing need, fear, might be once we go back to work. We've already seen what this looks like where we're kind of sort of back to work doing this thing or that thing, but we're not in the throes of what I would call the pre-pandemic expectations. We're all still trying to figure out 
when is work going to come back? Do we think it's going to be 12 hour days? Is it going to be 16 hour days? Are there going to be less people? Are they going to bring in more people? Is there going to be more money, less money? Nobody really knows the answer to any of these questions. But what I want to just start identifying and talking about, because I don't think that I have all of the answers to this. I'm not sure I have any of them, but I want to talk through the problems and I want to know once things start to go back to the place where the expectation is, I am a consummate professional, I have to show up and I have to be an assistant editor or an editor. And by the way, it's, it's, uh, it's by design that I have somebody in the, the panel today that's a highly skilled assistant editor that's just about ready to transition. We have somebody that's just transitioned from assistant to editor that has a few really solid credits as an editor but bounces back and forth. We have somebody that transitioned about three years ago that's consistently editing. And we have somebody that's been editing for a long time. So this represents different stages of the journey. All of you have slightly different ages of kids as well. It's given the, the, the connection and the network that I have, but this was the best cross-section I could give for people that are working in our industry. And I wanna talk through one person at a time what is the thing that you're the most afraid of when we have to go back to work and let's just start to workshop it. So, and if somebody is like, oh yeah, that was mine too, you guys can jump in and jump back and forth. And I want each person uh, to be able to bring up one of them. If it's already been talked about, you can bring up whatever the, the next biggest one is. But just amongst the four of you, Barry, Monica, Natalie, and Yvette, who wants to volunteer first to dive in and just share what's the thing you're the most afraid of once we go back to work and we have real jobs for 50, 60, 90 hours a week again? All right, Natalie's just jumping right into the fire, putting herself in the hot seat. So I, I mean, it's probably pretty obvious is like what to do with my kid. Before this all hit, we were, we were looking at daycares. He's totally into going to daycare. We would tour daycares and he'd be like, see you, mom. I'm going to go play with other kids. So I was really happy to be able to send him to do that social stuff and learn things that professionals can teach him that I don't know anything about parenting. I learned everything about parenting like on the job. I had changed one diaper before I had a baby and all I do is listen to podcasts and read books about parenting. And so I, mean, I, I remember those days, down. by the way. I remember yeah. I've seen the whole journey. I've seen you all the way from freshman in college to trying to be an assistant editor, to trying to make it as an editor, to trying to be a parent every day. I found this new book and I've got this and I'm going to learn this. And I'm just sitting there I'm like, uh-huh. Yep. I know. Yeah. No, I love that you're reading and learning all this stuff. It's fantastic. I know. Let me, I think, let me know how all that works out for you. So yeah, now look at you. About it being like, why did you tell me how hard this is? He's like, I did. The reason we don't <laughs> talk about it is that it would be the end of the human race as we know it. Our species would die out if parents were honest to new, new and incoming parents about what it means to be parents. Because you'd be like, oh, no. So yeah. we do our best to warn you, but at the same time, it's like there, there's really no way to have this conversation. You just kind of need to, to live through it. So welcome. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, that's my, that's what I do is I just, I just delve into like books and podcasts and just learn about parenting. Cause I, I didn't know much about it beforehand. Anyways. So I, I was excited to send him to daycare, but I don't know if I can do that. I was also excited to spend less money on childcare. Um, Cause I had a nanny when I was working full time. Cause my husband also works a full on like, 50 hour a week job. And so, and we both do the thing where like, we get home for bedtime and for dinner, you know, or like, and we try to each spend a little bit of time with him. And then we both go back to work <laughs> once he's in bed, like both of us go to our separate rooms and start like doing whatever work from home that we have to do because we came home early because we take care of our child. So that's sort of our pre pandemic life. And so now I think I have to go and get a nanny again because I just don't know how I send him to daycare because it's just kind of like children pick up diseases as if they were born to do that. Like I was literally sick from September until like 
till quarantine, basically. I was sick during quarantine because he just, like, coughs and sneezes on me constantly. And he's not even in daycare. He just goes to, like, gym class or something like that. So if I send him to daycare, like, it's just diseases all the time. He's, like, I only hang out with two other, two of my friends have two little girls about his age. Those are the only two children he sees. And we're the only, like, us three are the only kids any of our kids see. They both have hand, foot, mouth disease right now. He's fine, but they both have hand, foot, mouth. And we're both like, we don't go anywhere. How did they get hand, foot, mouth? And it's like, because they get diseases. That's what they do. But then I hear a story. I forgot who, I forgot who I was talking to, but someone else, like their nanny has COVID and now they can't use their nanny anymore. So it's just like, even if I get a nanny, she could totally, or he could totally get COVID. And then I'm totally screwed. Like, then what do I do? So, I mean, we're probably working from home anyways, but I can't work from home with a two-year-old. Like I can't get anything done. So, I mean, I guess I get a nanny and like assume that risk. What else am I going to do? <laughs> well, let, let's keep talking about this because clearly childcare is going to be an issue. So uh, Yvette, your hand just shot up. Um, I'm, I'm laughing because I, I relate to everything you're saying, Natalie. <laughs> and it's like, for me, I feel like I was just sort of getting, so I waited a really long time, right? Like I had the first one when I was, I was young. I was like 27, I think, when he was born. And then I waited like eight years to have the second one because I I really like, as soon as I had the first one, I was like, okay, gosh, this is like a lot more work than I anticipated it was going to be, right? And I always knew I wanted more, but I waited a really long time. And now it's sort of like I'm back. Like I had to move all the way back to doing it all over again, which like I felt like I was just sort of getting accustomed to like being back at work and kind of figuring out what I want my schedule to look like. The last show that I was on, I had actually asked them to be able to cut from home part-time, which they had agreed to. So it felt like things were sort of getting into place. But the only way that I was able to do that was because I had the nanny here full-time watching him and my older one was at school. And so now I, I'm feeling the same things like, okay, well, what is school going to look like next year? It sounds like they're going to be back on campus, but there's not going to be after school care. So how are we going to navigate that between the two of us or between grandparents or like even, you know, maybe a nanny picking them up or whatever. And, and two definitely is like a game changer, especially when they're so far apart in age. Monica, you mentioned like they weren't at the same school last year, but now they are going to be in like that makes a huge difference. I have so many friends who would always complain like, oh, well, this one's in Glendale and this one's in, and now they're going to be at the same school. It really makes a big difference because you can just do like the one fluid pick up. But that's definitely something that I'm nervous about. Like just for me, like that's always the most anxiety inducing part, right? Like the week to week figure, okay, who's picking him up and who's taking him where? And does he have a place to stay? Like I'm the one who that falls on. I'm the one who's scheduling it. Even if he's the one doing the pickup, I'm the one who's navigating between the three or four people that are involved. I feel like that, you know, is like one of my mom's responsibilities. So that's definitely one thing. And then one thing I've shared with Zach too, is like, I'm sure all of us, I know I have kind of felt a little bit of, uh, I don't know what the right terminology is, like bias against the fact that I'm a parent or like, you know, weariness about the fact that I'm a parent or that I have kids, like when they hear I have kids. So then this question runs through my mind, like, oh, like, is it going to be like, well, she's going to be working from home and how is she going to handle that with a baby at home or with a child at home? Like, how is that going to work? But I know for me, like when I have the child care in place, which I obviously I would have to if I was working from home, there's no other way to do it. I'm super focused when I'm working from home. I love working from home. It works really well for me. I think it eases a lot of anxiety and, you know, just less commute and less travel time. So I think there's a lot of benefits to that. And I'm kind of hopeful that that becomes a regular thing. It's just a matter of when it actually happens, when we have the money coming in, then to be able to, like you said, hire someone, you know, to, to be here to take care of those things. 
one of the things I wanted to, to just mention here, um, I want to put a pin in this idea of asking the question, are they going to be willing to hire me yeah. knowing that I'm working from home? I want to go down that rabbit hole. I just want to go down it next, but I think that's a really, really big one. So I'm sticking a pin in it, making okay. sure that we cover that. But I wanted to go to both Barry and Monica first to just stay on this idea of just the most fundamental basic need that is apparent somebody's got to be watching my kid at some point, right? Like I can't just, I mean, well, yeah, maybe if they grew up in the eighties, then we just use the TV as the baby kid and they become latchkey kids and then they remake television shows and, you know, then they make stranger <laughs> things and that's their life. So I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but in today's day and age, we probably don't want to just sit them in front of the TV for 14 hours a day. So uh, Barry and Monica and or Monica, whichever one of you wants to jump in next, just when it comes to the basic needs of childcare, what are some of the, the concerns that you have once you actually have to go back to work? Because it's hard enough now. So what about once the expectation is you're at somebody's beck and call for 60 plus hours a week? Barry, go ahead. I'm worried because let's say school comes back and it's, you know, they're doing distance learning again at home. She needs some handholding to do the Zooms and make sure that she does her work. Um, she just finished first grade. And I'm sure she will get better at this, but she really needs someone to hold her hand and say, this is how you do it and just guide her through it. So I would need, you know, so like if both my husband and I are working right now, we're both in between, he goes back to work in August. So thank goodness one of us will be working, but I'm, I'm concerned about who's going to educate her. Who's going to handle this at home if I'm not here, because you know, our babysitter, she's a bit older. She's in her 60s and she didn't learn the way that they're learning now. I didn't either. I'm sure most of us didn't. You know, I can't whole. even teach my kids math anymore. Like seriously, don't get me started on that conversation. <laughs> like how many pictures do I have to draw to figure out nine minus six? Really? I don't know. It's just three. Okay. Sorry. That, that's for another topic of conversation. No, I totally agree with you on that, but I've learned a lot about math and all the stuff that she's learning. So I can follow it now. Yeah. And I was like, I was very surprised as like how it's changed my thinking about it. So I'm mostly concerned about how she's going to get educated if we're both working from home, which gets noisy sometimes because, you know, sound, picture. <laughs> and, you know, he was working in this office and I was working in the bedroom. We made half the bedroom into an office. So that was the only way to deal with that. Yeah. So that's my biggest concern. And then if they are in school part-time, you know, someone's going to have to be there to pick her up from school because there isn't going to be any after school care. But even in before pandemic, she would be in school all day. I would drop her off in the morning. She would be in school all day. I had her in the after school program and then my sitter would pick her up and then I wouldn't be home until 730 at the earliest. But, you know, different shows of different needs. When I was on the middle, I was home 7, 7.30 pretty consistently because uh, it was a half-hour sitcom. And then, um, you know, some of the other, the hour-long shows, you know, I wouldn't be home until later. Luckily, on Bluff City Law, they were cutting that in Encino. So my commute was cut in half. I'm in Woodland Hills. So um, my commute was cut in half because going to Burbank, it would take maybe an hour. So going to Encino was 20 minutes. I was like, this is great. But that only went one season. So there you go. <laughs> So it's, you know, she was in school, after care, 
babysitter until we got home. And sometimes it'd be really late and we'd miss bedtime and she'd already be asleep. And so that, those were the days I didn't love. Right. So, so really it goes beyond just having somebody to take care of them. It's also about making sure that their brains don't rot and they're actually properly educated if we're not around. So exactly. we can already see there's varying needs where for Natalie, I just want to make sure my kid doesn't stick a knife inside a light socket right now. Right. But for you, you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff with older kids. And, uh, you know, Yvette, you're kind of in the middle where you have both, but it's a matter of, I want to make sure it's not just that they're safe, but I want to make sure that they're educated and enriched, especially if we're not going to be going back to to school in any meaningful way that the way it was pre-pandemic. And I don't know what it looks like in private schools. I have a pretty good idea of what things look like in the public schools because my wife is a, a public school teacher for LAUSD, very involved in this process. And the expectation that August 18th, everybody's kids are going back to school five days a week, I wouldn't rest your laurels on that happening. Don't take my word for it, but I'll be shocked if that happens. I think they're gonna have to find some middle ground. They're still figuring it out. But if, if, and again, this is something political I will not go into, but looking at the science and the numbers of where we are going right now as far as the virus, it's not getting any better. It's actually getting worse. So the odds of us just saying, well, let's put our kids back in school for five days a week, I don't think it's going to happen. And I think we're going to have to come up with uh, alternatives, whether it's we do have one day a week, whether it's school, one day a week at home. I don't know. I have none of the answers. I just think that we need to prepare for it not being what, uh, what we think is going to be best case scenario. So moving on to Monica, I know that you covered a little, bit, a little bit of this in your introduction, but just talk to me a little bit more about your basic fears and worries about what do I do with childcare if it's hard enough now? What do I do when I'm working 60 to 100 hours a week? Well, I mean, your initial question was like, what was your biggest fear? And it didn't really have to do with childcare, but I fear for my own health because we're similar in the way that I will run myself into the ground to figure it out and make it work at the expense of my own health. So that's one of my biggest concerns. And as far as childcare, I mean, my kids are older. So, and even this summer, I, I have a whole list of tasks that they have to do, including like those BrainQuest workbooks. They, I've always made them do them. So in order to earn iPad or video game time, they have to do a certain amount of pages. They have to read for 30 minutes every day. They have to do two different activities for PE. I, I give them a whole to-do list that will actually fill their day. And that's their normal summer. In addition to, I made them go to summer school. Now that LASD is offering summer school. And you mean you're talking not- about Zoom summer school? Zoom summer just, school. Just to clarify for people that don't know. Zoom I wanna, summer school. You didn't send them to school. Like, just go. No, no. Yeah, the yeah, Zoom summer school, which now I have to wake up at 7 a.m. to get them up so they could do 8 a.m. Zoom summer school. So I kind of set them on their tasks. And so if I'm working from home, I can work while they're doing schoolwork. My daughter's pretty self-sufficient. My son, actually, because he's autistic, he's at the level where he requires a one-on-one aid in school to keep him focused, to keep him emotionally balanced in case he comes, becomes overwhelmed which he tends to do when he's learning something new. If he doesn't understand it right away, he thinks he's super dumb. <laughs> he has self-esteem issues just because he knows he's different and he thinks that's the reason why he sometimes can't do things when really is the reason is because he's a 10-year-old boy <laughs> um, and not because he's autistic, but he can't tell the difference. Right. And you're just, just for, the, for the, the, the record, your child is brilliant, by the way. 
He's incredibly bright, but I can actually they're the both fact. really bright. Well, bright. of course they're I, both bright, but because you're talking, I wasn't singling just him out. Yeah, no, uh, but I'm, I, I, highly... I can understand the the frustration he's having, given that he's both incredibly bright. He's also a ten year old. He's also autistic. There, there's a lot of stuff to to unpackage there during so, this period of his life. So whereas my daughter, I could set her up. I set her up on her desk in her room. She she knows what she needs to do, and she's fine. I need to keep my son near me, like in the kitchen, on the kitchen table, because I have to monitor his moods. Like if he's start about to have a freak out or an anxiety attack or, you know, it's something if he starts crying because he can't figure out a math problem, you know, that that is a common occurrence for him. So he needs someone there to help him and to keep him from spiraling downward. And so that's a big concern for me. Someone has to be there to do it. And it essentially has to be me <laughs> until they could go back to school. And the district actually pays for an aid for him. And in addition, he's going to middle school. Autistic kids don't handle change well. So this is going to be a big change for him. His middle school is uh, about, I forget, I know Robin knows where this is. <laughs> he's going to Portola, which is about 10 to 11 miles from where I live, um, which it's up the 101 in traffic, having to pass the four or five interchange. <laughs> So if he does go to school and then I have nowhere where he could stay afterwards, I usually have him stay in the after school care, the free after school care program there, youth services, until I'm able to get away from work so I could pick him up. You know, I, I'll need that for him. And I, if they don't have that, I'm going to have to try to work something out for this with the school to, because he has all these special considerations and it's, tricky. And so I'll have to deal with that. You know, they're in two different grade levels. They're both doing honors and advanced studies because they're so smart. And in addition, you know, I've, if I'm working, I'm going to have a lot of work to do. And that work will change depending if I'm able to get an editing job or if I'm going to go back to assistant editing to start. You know, it's just one of those things you never know where you're going to get that second editing job. And I think what's going to end up happening is because Stuff that doesn't have an immediate deadline, I'm going to end up staying up late till midnight every night to make up the time I lost during the day trying to take care of the kids' needs. And I've already had this conversation with actually um, with people from my show. I was like, checking in on me and like looking at what are the scenarios. I was like, I need to work remotely. If you want me to come into the office, possibly to rotate out teams like two or three days a week, I have to know in advance because now I, I have to tell the kid's dad that he has to be with them all day because sometimes unofficially I may have, the kids may have become my little apprentice editors. They have been well known at every show I've worked on and I've, I've it been, they're actually very well behaved, but you know, that's not, they're trying to minimize people in offices. And so, you know, that's not really something I can do anymore. So it's like, I need to work from home. And, and, and I even pointed out, I'm like, anyone with kids is going to be in the same situation I am. Cause I am concerned about the discrim I've been discriminated against before, uh, as a parent in my career, which is not something I've ever really talked about publicly, but you know, it's a real thing. So I wanted to point out, it's like, it's not just me, you know, it's the editor I work with has three kids. The, one of the other editors has two kids and he's a single dad. It's a huge concern. You know, it's like, we need to be able to work remotely. We need to be able to keep our family safe. We can't be working unpredictable 
hours because of the way we're going to have to kind of Tetris our daily schedules around taking care of our children. My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're gonna invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a tilt Matt. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the Topo Mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the Topo Mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me Topo. That's T-O-P-O. Well, one of the one of the topics that uh, I have just kind of very slowly planted the seed, and the seed's going to grow, and I'm going to start throwing gasoline on it and use a flamethrower on it, is this idea that what was happening pre-pandemic, what we're desperately trying to get back to, this idea of normal, normal wasn't working wasn't working before, it's certainly not going to work to take the things that we believed about normal before and just describe it to a post-pandemic world. This is across the board. It's not just for parents, it's for everybody. But especially for parents, this idea of we are just at the beck and call of the producers, the directors, the showrunners, and we just need to be available. I just don't think that's realistic anymore. And the idea that we can maintain the same schedules, which by the way, with no virus, we were barely, barely, able to maintain their calendars and their schedules before. We were working time that was unpaid because, oh, there's just not a budget right now and we're still doing it anyway because we want to meet these deadlines. That system is going to completely break down when we go back to work. And one of my biggest concerns is that if we aren't conscious of that, coming back to one of the things you said, Monica, which I think is at the core of this conversation, is that before it was, and this is something I've been on a soapbox about for years and years and years, and in fact, I'm standing on it right now, but this idea that we are burning ourselves out, working ourselves to death, but before it was all for the sake of the job. Well, now it's literally going to kill us. It's literally going to kill us if we weaken our immune systems and we show up at work for the sake of creating content. It's that simple. So we need to talk about what is the new way of working such that we can get the work done, but in a more realistic way without feeling like every time I show up, 
I'm putting myself at huge risk because I'm working even more hours for less pay than before because work from home workflows are currently less efficient and less effective than the, than the, the norm. And I think that's going to change over the coming six months to a year. I think we're going to get better at this really, really quickly. And I'm going to help make sure that we all get better at this. But we have to recognize the way we were working before wasn't healthy, but now it literally can kill us. So I want to come back to either Yvette or Barry or Natalie to just talk about your level of concern, just about your own health, and then you bringing that into your house if it was that you were either asked to go back to an office or you're still working from home but burning yourself out so much that just going to the grocery store could compromise you. So uh, Yvette, your hand came up again. I think Monica said something really important, this idea of putting ourselves last, and I think that's something that moms specifically tend to do across the board, not just in our industry, obviously. But for me, I, I really do like, even just go, before I go into an office pre-pandemic, like I have to make sure everything, like all my ducks are in a row because I don't want to come back to like a disastrous house and like a million things to do. Like, and it takes a lot of work. Like it takes a lot of effort. So like I said, I think the idea of being able to work from home is not only going to be a necessity, but I think could be really beneficial for parents. So I, I, I hope that there's this shift in the way that producers, directors, production companies are looking at it because I think for me, pre-pandemic, it was always viewed as, viewed as like, oh no, we can't possibly like trust that you're gonna get the work done, right? Like th there's this idea of like, well, what are you doing while you're there? How many hours are you putting in? But for me, it's always been, I've always been more efficient when I'm allowed or able to work from home. So I think it could be a really, really incredible thing. But I think it's also, like you said, an absolute necessity for, for parents. I don't know how I feel about going into an office. I, I, I actually teach part-time at USC. I teach a couple classes in the evening. So right now we're teaching everything online next semester. And there was a big discussion about how that's going to work. And all the editing classes are going to be taught online for the time being. So I know like industry-wide, it doesn't seem like there's, I, I don't see a lot of people who are comfortable like with the idea of going back into an office space. Like my husband, for example, goes to an office, but it's literally just him in one room and his brother in another room. You know, it's not... It's not like a populated space. So something like that I could potentially be comfortable with, but that's not usually what our workspaces look like. And I know for me, like my immune system was always complete. You know, Natalie said it, like they're like disease bearing. They are they're like walking petri dishes with my husband calls them biological terrorists. They are. They <laughs> oh my they god, that's amazing. They bring like a bunch of stuff. It's true. Like they just do. I mean, that's, I mean, their immune systems are awful. They're, they're little and they're developing all that. And, and unfortunately, when we are in high stress environments, we're the first people who get, you know, everyone in the house gets affected by it. So for me, I hate like the months between October and February, it's like, oh my God, like, I just know everyone's going to be sick every week and I hate it and I dread it, but I know it's like a thing. I also, to be fair, like, I worry that like us being in houses so much and not being like all these other things, like our immune systems are going to be really, really awful because we're not being exposed to other things. So there is a downside to that too, right? And in some variation, it's important for them to be able to go back to school environments because it's not good for them socially either. Yeah, um, it's, not safe, it's not, not safe inside. It's like not safe outside. Not safe if you're wearing a mask, but it's not safe <laughs> if you're not wearing a mask. It's like, come on. Can somebody just Which give me one, one useful piece of information right now? Like you're killing me. I know. Uh, well, I one know. thing, that, one thing that I wanted to pull out of here that I think is really important, and I'm going to direct this one right at Natalie, because dear okay. Lord, if we had this conversation ad nauseum a hundred times, pre-pandemic, there was this thing called the theater of work. And Natalie, you and I have talked about this so many times. We've had many, many a session, whether it was talking logically about it or just screaming about it because we were so angry. 
Mm -hmm. I think one of the positives that I hope comes out of this, and it may not, but one of the positives that I hope comes out of this is the elimination of the theater of work. So Natalie, let's talk, let's share this uh, private conversation that you and I have had many times over the years. Yeah, it's super frustrating. Producers, they just want to see that you're working. Like, oh, they're here. They're working. And you're like, even if they know you're just waiting for notes, like they know you're just sitting there waiting. Like, well, you're here just in case something comes in, like, and we got to do it right now. And what happens if we don't do it right now? What happens if we do it when I get in, in 20 minutes? Like, why does it have to be right now? Do they know if it's a, you know what the studio does? They sit, they write their notes and they send it and they go, good, I've done my job. And they're like, if it comes in 20 minutes later than when it was going to come in, what does it matter? It doesn't matter. They don't care. They're not thinking about it. They got other things to do. So like, yeah, it gets really frustrating to know that they just want you there just to know that you're there, just to know that just in case you'll be, you'll be there. And I'm, I'm like, I don't, I don't like working under the just in case I'll work under it. If it's like, okay, we need, this episode needs to get out tomorrow or else it will not air. Like you need to be here like that. I get like, we're on a deadline. This has to happen. You have to be here waiting to start like immediately. Like, okay, fine. Got it. But if it's just like a normal day-to-day -day thing, there's no, there's no need for that. There's no need for any of that. And it's just like what Monica was saying is like the whole, like we, and what you were saying about the, like being just able to make deadlines and being just like, because we're waiting for producers, because we're waiting for a director to send notes, because we're waiting for this, that, and the other thing. And so when you're a parent, it just gets like, exponentially worse because you're trying to schedule your own kids stuff especially if they're little and if they're little whatever you schedule kind of just blows up a lot of times because you're like oh I got this all worked out and then it just blows up in your face because something happens or whatever and even if you do have a set schedule which is really hard to do when you have a small child because like every day is different and like then all of a sudden you've got a set schedule it works for three months and they completely change and like you have to do it a completely different way especially if they're like moving nap schedules and all this stuff like you can never just set it and forget it. It's not a, like being a parent, you can never just set things and be like, okay, that's just going to go and I'm going to go back to work. Like, no, that's not what's going to happen. It's always going to be in your mind. There's always going to be something that comes up. So there's that. Because I mean, I particular, I had my nanny was constantly texting me throughout the day, constantly about this, about that. And like, I think part of it is like, she thinks she knows that like I had specific guidelines for stuff. But I don't think she could tell, like, I think she just thought I was a super specific person so that I needed to be involved in every detail. I'm like, no, no, no. I care about these specific things that I gave you in between. I don't care. I, do, I don't care what he has, like, feed him fruit. Don't care what it is. Just a fruit. I don't, I don't care. You don't need to text me about it. We can't just have all of this, like, let's just have the editor waiting around for X, Y, or Z. Even if we are working from home, like Monica said, like, you need to know when something's happening because it's like, well, I could be doing this thing with my kid or like, I need to do this thing for my kid or I need to schedule this thing with my kid. I need to know when the notes are coming in. I need to know when I'm going to be working, when I'm going to be sitting around. Like, I just got really tired of that because I had, I had about two months of working from home. And a lot of that time was mostly like visual effects, like visual effects coming in. And I had to look at them and visual effects came in at like four, but like four to about seven in my house is just chaotic. So I got to make dinner. And then after dinner, we got to get ready for bed. And then we got to put go down for bed. And so I'm not really available at all between those hours. And so I was being told, well, make sure you get it in right afterwards or as soon as you can. It was like, you're not getting notes from me until after 8 p.m. Bottom line is it's not happening. I can't get you anything. If you have an absolute emergency, I can figure that out. But like, notes on VFX that they're not going to work on until tomorrow, I'm not doing it. So that got really frustrating to me. Yeah. And so, and then when you're talking about theater work of actually being in the office to do work, 
thankfully, at least anyone that I've been talking to has been saying like, okay, my agent will be like, can you do a remote workflow? Like, that's an important thing. So like, yeah, I can do a remote workflow. Like, that's something that like employers are looking for. Like, can you set up remotely? Like, yep. I think that they're coming to terms with the fact that post is just going to have to be remote. They have so many problems with production that post is the easy, like post, it's easy, not, you know, it's way easier for us to work remote than, you know, a grip. So I think, thankfully, I'm glad that that is probably going to be, unless we have to come in one or two days a week, I don't know, you know, for a meeting or whatever, but I hope it's just like they're working remote and that's not the problem we're dealing with. We have to figure out how to get these actors on screen. (laughs) Well, what I find interesting about this, and by the way, as an aside, the next time they ask you, if you're familiar with remote post workflows, you say, oh, not em- not only am I familiar with them. I helped build one of them. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, what's interesting here is that you're speaking to, to this entire problem as the editor, which as you should, right? And right. what I'm hoping happens is that people get better at setting boundaries. And we realize what has been my vision for two decades. All that matters is what you want and when you want it. Yeah. And ask me how many hours a day I'm sitting in my office doing it, whether it takes me four hours or 16, leave me the F alone to do my job. You know I'm good at what I do. You know I'm going to deliver it on time. Leave me alone. Yeah. However, that's way different when you're an assistant. So as an assistant, you really are kind of at the beck and call of both the editor and the producer simultaneously. So Barry, I would like to direct the conversation to you because it's harder to set boundaries and say, you know what? can't do this until seven or I can't do this until four because you're kind of an extension of the entire post-production team. So what are your thoughts about this idea of even if I am from home, how do I set expectations and figure out a schedule and I kind of always do have to be available. So like what what are your fears or thoughts about that? Gosh, that they're going to want me all the time, you know, and like I still have to feed my child. I still have to entertain her sometimes she's an only child too so you know there's that so I have to be entertainer as well or my husband has to be entertainer so you know she's seen some of the kids next door and one or two like best friends who we've you know talked to about like how much have you been quarantining and how many people have you seen like we've been very specific with those questions but yeah I I actually feel like I I don't the boundaries are are like all over the place. I feel like my, my biggest fear is that there are going to be no boundaries. If that's the default setting, it's that there will be none. Because I think that coming from it from a producer, director, showrunner standpoint, just thinking through their their thought process, crawling into their brain, it's not, well, you guys have all the freedom in the world. You need to take care of your kids. That's fine. But in return, if I need something at Saturday at 4 p.m., I'm going to kind of need you to do it Saturday at 4 p.m. Because you can do it whenever you want. You said you want your freedom but I still need to get the work done. So can we agree that if you're going to be able to manage your own schedule, I get what I want when I want it. That's my biggest fear. I think that's coming and I'm already starting to hear that from people that are editing from home. What we need to do is we need to learn to set boundaries. I don't know what those boundaries look like yet, but I, my belief is that that is where all of this is going to start because if we don't set that boundary, then it's just going to erode and disappear because frankly, we didn't have a lot of boundaries before all of this. I mean, one of the biggest reasons that people come to me in this program, several of the people on this call, is because they really suck at setting boundaries and they really suck at saying no and they wanna learn how can I confidently say no, these are the things that I need in order to deliver the value that you want me to deliver to you. And I'm not sure how we're going to manage all this because it's uncharted territory, but I know that setting some form of boundary is going to be a key skill. So Monica, I want to come on over to you because you're right on the cusp of you're not sure yet if you're going to be cutting or assisting. 
I would guess you're going to be cutting. I think you're, you're I have an at assistant, that point, but we don't know. Yeah. I have an assistant job that I can go back to if the show ever starts shooting again. I've already had discussions with the editor. Of course, he hopes that he'll have to replace me so I could be editing, but he's like, that job is there for you. So I have that at least. And it's funny about the boundaries because I kind of set my own. Uh, I, I see Facebook threads all the time of, you know, people getting taken advantage of with being expected to bring like their laptops in and caps on uh, box rentals. And I always say, look, if they're not, if they cap the box rental week 10, I'm never bringing my laptop in again. <laughs> I only bring it in when they're paying for it. <laughs> but I mean, that's just me. I just refuse. You know, I'm not afraid of being unemployed. I figure I'll, I'll figure something out because we were at the end of our season when all this happened. So my last couple weeks, I was working remotely trying to figure out, oh my God, the, the kids online learning and their teachers didn't even know what they were doing at the time. And then trying to get work done remotely in a not very efficient way. Basically, my end of day was signified by I would send out an email and everyone was seed, seed on it, the post producer, the visual effects editors because it was just me and the visual effects editor and editorial at that point you know anyone who was still working and that was that was my end of day and i i kept track of how many hours i worked so if, if i was not able to put my 10 hours in because that is what they were paying me for then that's when i might work a little later in the day because i had to take three hours to, to help my kids with something but if if i got all my work done for the day I sent that email out and then at 10 o'clock they asked me to do something. It's like, um, that's overtime guys. <laughs> I always ask that's overtime. Can I do this tomorrow morning? First thing tomorrow. And pretty much hundred percent of the time is yeah, just do it tomorrow. First thing. <laughs> Shocking how that works. Isn't it? All of a sudden when they have you to, know, it's like, I'm very reasonable about it. I'm like, Hey, got all my work done. I, you know, showed, I communicated, they saw I was working and it's just like, it shouldn't be any different than if I was at the office because I'm usually communicating by email then because the producers are either off at the mix or in color or in 5 million meetings anyway. So it's, it's something where I just had to have no fear about it and just be like, hey, um, what's the priority? Do you want to pay me for the overtime or do you want to just have me do it tomorrow? And it was always tomorrow. And usually they were willing to pay for the overtime because they told me too late <laughs> and they needed it right away. And then it's like, well, that was, that was their fault. That wasn't me. It's not something I did. And I would just, you know, charge it on my time card. But, you know, it was, I didn't actually really have to do that all that much because we were, we were wrapping. I, when I was in the office, I was leaving early every day. <laughs> so I didn't have enough work to fill 10 hours, but I mean, I set those boundaries even when I was in the office during the regular year, I know people struggle with that. It's like, oh, I have to stay late to do an output, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, what time did you get in? Well, this time, why didn't you come in later? You know, is the often thing. It's like, because I had dailies this morning because the editor needed me here at nine. Like you guys dropped this output on me at the last minute. Like this isn't my fault. <laughs> they would just pay it. Yep. They would pay and the overtime. I find that 95% of the time when you reverse engineer how you got into that situation, it's always poor communication and poor planning. It's not a matter of, oh my God, this just materialized and we're all completely gobsmacked. 
you go down the chain, you're like, well, this person knew about it at this point, and this person knew this and knew this. Why didn't we all just have a conversation and figure out there's a much better way to go about this? And communication is going to be a huge thing that starts to break down because people don't understand how to communicate as a team remotely. So I think this is going to get even worse unless we develop the skill of communicating remotely and setting these digital boundaries. And it, it's funny because I already talked to the post producer and uh, I even pointed him to your website. I was like, look, we can't have, because it was, you know, no one was used to communicating remotely when I was wrapping the season. I was like, it was, it was really difficult. I never knew what was going on, what was needed. Like I had to like pull it out of people because they didn't realize, oh, I'm in the complete dark at home. I have no idea what's going on with them and what they need from me. And I was like, we need someone like the coordinator to maintain a central calendar where we can move stuff. We can communicate. We can't have stuff in email chains. It's just going to get lost. And I was like, we should use something like Trello. And I even told him like, whether I'm editing or I'm the assistant editor, if I'm editing, I'm making my assistant editor communicate with me through Trello so we can track everything. And we're not just texting each other all day. It's just like, we could just do what we need and, and Trello will track it for us and we could see what we need to do. And if I'm the assistant editor, I'm going to pitch it to my editor really hard. And I can't imagine him saying no, because he actually really loves workflows as well. He's one of those editors who like helped develop and design the assistant editor workflow on the show. So I'm sure he would be really open to it, if not Trello, something similar. So he's not constantly having to check his phone for text because he has three kids that he needs to take care of and worry about. And that way we could just kind of do what we need to do, see what we need needs to be done. He's all about efficiency and just getting things done as easily as possible. So this is stuff I've already started thinking about and I've already brought up to my producer. And because I, I want my boundaries, I think, I, I think I'm getting to the age where I'm just like, nope, I'm not putting up with this crap anymore. I'm not 25 trying to you know impress i don't care <laughs> i'm what, willing to i'm willing to walk away which i think is the perfect segue to the really big part of this conversation which is are people going to discriminate me because i'm not the single 25 year old that's going to be at their beck and call 24 hours a day seven days a week available via text whatever output you need i've got it if I'm a producer and I've got some young, hungry kid that's probably going to do unpaid overtime and be available 24-7, why in the world would I want to deal with somebody that has kids? That I think is the good. biggest fear. And, that, <laughs> and I love that answer because you're that confident that you can bring a lot more value than that person, but you have to be able to communicate how much more value you bring so they can balance out the fact that it's going to make the process more challenging. But I actually argue that it isn't going to be that more challenging if we learn how to better communicate and we can bring these workflows to the table. So Natalie, I'm going to bring this back to you. I I'm just, I'm flashing back to some of the conversations that you and I had Empire season one thinking about how do we build some kind of workflow where you and I don't have to be in the office anymore and we don't need to print out paper and there's no binders. Mm -hmm. I told you it was going to take a while and yeah. it certainly is not the circumstances I was waiting for, but I, I, I think that uh, I think you and I helped build something that can be uh, of a lot of value to people to communicate right now. Cause I think lack of communication is not just going to cause bottlenecks and issues. I think lack of communication literally going to make people suffer poor health 
because they're working too long, they're not getting their deadlines communicated properly, and that can weaken their immune systems and they can get sicker. So I, I, I really think this, the communication and setting boundaries, if we're gonna talk about two things that we can extract, extract from this as things that we can improve upon, I think this, these are the places to start. But mm -hmm. I also wanna talk about this, this much bigger elephant in the room, which is why would I even hire a parent at this point if I don't have to deal with this from some young kid? So I'm in the, the position where whether it's because of the circumstances or otherwise, I'm transitioning out of being an editor and doing what I'm doing here full time. I'm not that concerned about this, but how legitimately concerned are either the four of you, or I'm actually gonna bring this to the group. Show of hands, how many of you are legitimately concerned that you might get passed over because it's gonna be more complicated to deal with people that have kids right now? Okay, so this is a problem. Demas, no hand went up. Oh wait, no, you're, you're, you're still that 25 year old kid that's gonna work 24 seven, so. I don't tell people that <laughs> I have a child. I try not, I mean, I, I had an interview and they were like, what have you been doing? And I'm like, well, I can't lie. But like under normal, sort, I don't, I, I leave it out of any interview. I like try my hardest not to say anything about having a kid. I let that come out later if I find out they have kids, like if the, if the show owners have kids or someone high up has kids, then I'll say it, but I, I don't say it. Mm -mm. Which I think is sad. I think the, I the, the fact that our culture is such that there's a, a fear about doing that is very, very sad. Yeah. And that's I, what, I, that's know. why we're having this conversation. So Yvette, go ahead. No, I agree. I, 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 ne I never say I have kids unless it comes up naturally in some way. And that was actually a piece of advice that I got from another editor friend of mine who happened to have kids, but it's true. Uh, and, and by and large, I feel like still a lot of the shows that I work on, it's, I'm still really commonly like one of, if not the only moms in, in the post, you know, in, in the post space, maybe, maybe there's dads, but you know, certainly moms, I, I think it's much more rare. And I think that is sad. And I don't know, I think that's, I mean, you and I have spoken about that, right? Like that, that that's always something that's on my mind, because I, I agree, I have felt that discrimination and that that bias of, you know, even, even if it's not like, it's the way that people like say things or ask things, whether it's when you're interviewing or once you're on the job. So that's always something that's on my mind. So I feel like I've always kind of tried really hard to like, hide the facts until it comes up like after I'm already on the show, then it becomes like, oh, your kids, like it's not, you know, it's not something that comes up really early on. Yeah. And I, I do think that like, if you're a mom saying you have kids, it's different than if you're a dad saying yeah. you have kids because everyone knows the expectation is on the mom to do the scheduling, the this, the managing, and, and it is, but they don't want your attention diverted from the job to be doing that stuff. And it like, and it is diverted, but it's not diverted in such a way that your work suffers. It's right. It's going back to the theater of work. Are you working on what I want you to be working on? Or are you working on your personal thing? Well, if I'm waiting on notes, I'm working on my personal stuff. I was doing that before I had kids. You don't want to tell that to the producer. You don't want them to know like in their heads, like, well, they might not be working on my stuff. They might be working on their, finding their kid a doctor appointment. And I don't feel comfortable with that. This is my show. I have like, since I've become a parent, have luckily not had to, I've, I've worked for people who have more kids than me who are much more involved. Like I've, I've luckily been work. I've worked for a lot of family oriented shows or my two shows have been family oriented, which has been good, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's gonna be that way forever. But yeah, I just, I know that as a woman, you're not going to be, I think as a dad, if you go in and say kids, it's like, oh, that's nice good for you for being a dad but a woman it's like mm -hmm. and then that, that that's exactly and i'm gonna get you to monica in a second so i see your hand but that's the reason i started this call by saying 
I know dads have kids. I get it. You're not being singled out. This is not a mom-only conversation. But what you just said is why this panel has four moms and not two moms and two dads. Because yeah. we just need to be brutally honest. I can go right into an interview holding pictures of my kids. Hey, guys, I'm a dad editor. Good for you. What sports do they play, right? Totally different conversation when it's a woman. So we just need to get that out there. We need to be very clear about that, right? A lot of biases coming out in the world right now. Not going to open that can of worms, but we might as well talk about all of them. And that's one. It comes from men and women. Like if you're working for a producer who's a woman without kids, and I'm guilty of it too. Like, oh, yes. I but I didn't know what it was like to be a mom and working. And like, I could empathize and I could say that's got to be hard, but I didn't know. And so as much, even if you have a producer that can empathize, like they don't know. And like, they're probably very into their work. And like, if they have, if that's their central thing, like they don't know why it's not your central thing all of the time, why you're sort of like split a little bit. And they don't understand that. Like, even if I am split, like there's still room for both. I have just, I've made room for both things in my life right now. And so it's not that just men discriminate. It's women do it as well to each other. Um, if they, if they're also not a mom, they don't get it. And it's fine. It's, I did, I'm saying like, I wasn't, I did not get it either. I obviously, I did not. And so now I, but like, that's just, that's just the way it is. If, unless you're a parent, you don't know what it's like to be a parent. It's such a life-changing, like, different thing to be a parent that it's, like, good or bad. It's not like it's like, oh, my God, it's changed my life. And now I think, I mean, it's great. I love my son. But I'm not, like, saying, like, <laughs> if you're not a parent, like, how could you ever, under like, it's just that it's so, it's so drastically different. There's nothing I can even, like, equate it to to be like, oh, it's like if you did this. That's what it's like being a parent. Like, I can't describe it any way to anybody who's not, who doesn't have to take care of another human. Even a dog. Like, a dog, at least, like, it's not even the same. So it's like... Yeah, so that's the problem, too, is it's like they don't see how you can have room. Parenting must be so hard. And you're like, it's hard, but, like, there is room. Like, you just make it work. Like, you make yeah. you it just, work. You figure it out. You, it you just figure it out. out. Yeah, you always figure it out. But, like, so it's either, like, how could you do parenting and work? Or it's like, why aren't you working in parenting? It's, uh, it's very complicated. It's very complicated. Yes, agreed. I had a friend, not in the industry, but she has three kids. And I remember when she had the first one, it was like, what did I used to do with all this time? <laughs> yeah, the second one, it was like, what did I used to, and it was just like exponentially, it was like, what did I used to do with all this time? Like, we do make it work. And especially when you love something as much as you do, like I love editing and I want to continue doing it. I don't want to give it up just because I'm a parent or, you know, or, or vice versa. Like, I don't want to have somebody else raise my kids just so that I can go edit. I need to be able to do both so that I could be a, a complete, fulfilled, happy, you know, person. And I deserve to be, and we all do. So, you know, hopefully with groups like this and conversations like this, it can become more normalized and, and we, we can do it with boundaries and, you know. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my topo mat. And I have finally discovered what I now consider the topo mat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for for many hours a day. And that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour. But if you just swap to a chair that requires you to
to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off. It's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all of the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. For those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360. Exactly. So I, I want to make sure I don't negate Monica. Then I'm going to open it up for questions either to people on Facebook Live or to the community of both moms and dads that we have here right on the Zoom call. But Monica, you had a thought that you wanted to share. Yes. Yeah, so I've worked with a lot of wonderful editors and scripted, all of who knew me before. So there was no hiding uh, that I had children because they were on my Facebook feed and I just post about my kids shenanigans all day long. So for the most part, I've had good experience with people not worrying about it because they knew I could do my job and deal with any issues that come up with my kids. And they've always been very understanding. But, you know, I've also gone on several job interviews when I'm in between jobs. And I had an editor specifically ask if I had kids and how do I take care of them? Because that person was trying to figure out, is this going to be a problem? I think that's illegal. It is illegal, but where's the consequence for that editor? They're just not going to hire me. And why would I want to work with them anyway now at this point? It doesn't matter that it's illegal. It happened at a cafe table during a random job, informal job interview. And I'm sure that happens all the time. He, you know, he tried to be subtle about it, but I mean, we're editors. We, we read subtlety all the time. That's what we do. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I, I didn't get that job, which is fine. I was me and one other person being considered and I came with the highest recommendations. And did that contribute to it? Yes, no, maybe. How is that something I could ever prove? It's not, but maybe something in his head that, you know, put me to the like, no, let me go with the other person who doesn't have kids. And that's, it's a real thing. I don't care what people say. No, that's illegal. It's no, people can do it all the time. Editors in our union, do it. To the assistant editors they're trying to hire. Producers can do that to editors. It's, it's one of those things, and that's part of the problem. This, you know, just these, these internal biases that you will never, ever be able to prove. Well, it uh, brings up the, the topic of conversation or the, the word that we've heard many times, as you already said, these, these implicit biases, right? Not even realizing that you might be doing it, but you're doing it anyway. I don't know what the answer is to that question. I mean, if, uh, if you ever want to identify who that person is, like we're at a mixer and you want to point a finger, like I'll go slash his tires for you because that's a bunch <laughs> of BS. I don't have the answer to that one. All the, I think I'm naive in that. I just, I can't imagine ever disqualifying somebody for that reason or any other reason that it never even occurs to me that people see the world through that lens. But I know that that's probably, if not somewhat common, relatively common. I, but I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to manage that. I've just, uh, I'm gobsmacked that people would even be willing to do that. So Yvette, what are you thinking? And then I want to start bringing, opening it up to our, yeah, yeah, our community. Yeah, I know. It's just funny when I think about it, because all of us who are parents know, like when you're a parent, like you become so much better at multitasking and doing <laughs> a billion things at once. Like we are in, in some ways more qualified, right? So it's like the fact that it's like, 
well, how can this person possibly do it? It's like, come to my house one day and, <laughs> you know. Witness the madness. <laughs> Witness the magic, you know, and then ask me if you think I'm capable of doing it. So it's funny to me, like, it really is. Anyone who knows me or has worked with me knows that my quality of work has nothing to do with me being a parent. Exactly. It's, it comes from who I am, so it's never a concern. It's, it's for people who don't know me yet. And, but for people who do know me, they're just like, can I meet them? You know, they don't care. <laughs> so it's, it's just one of those things, you know, it's a concern if with people who know me, yeah, we're, we're going to do what we can to accommodate you and keep you on because of all the value yeah, you bring to our production. But for someone who doesn't know me, if they can go with someone else who's single, no kids, I guess comparable work experience, they're going to go with the other person. Well, I want to open it up now to the community. We have a, we've got a few dads in the group. We have a few uh, just fresh out of college kids too. Uh, so we have a few ends of the spectrum here. But of the, of the dads that are in the group that are listening, do you guys have anything that you want to add, questions that you want to ask, things that we brought up where you wish you could have jump in? I want to make sure that, uh, that you guys have a voice as well. You've been so great in the, the background. But I know for a fact that Edward has kids. I know Chris does, because Chris has been my assistant for the last two seasons on Cobra Kai. And Edward, your kids have been on our coaching calls on your lap. So between the two of you, does uh, one of you want to jump in and whether it's uh, something you want to add to a thought, bring up a new thought, what are, uh, what are you thinking right now? Uh, Chris. Yeah, so I mean, a, a couple things. Having, you know, I can relate to so much of this. And, you know, you'll notice, like, I did not raise my hand when asked if I thought I would be passed over. I, I understand that being who I am, being a white male who's some with some industry experience, I'm probably not going to be passed over. And so I recognize that that's not so much, you know, a threat for me as, as it is for other people. And what I'm, what I'm really interested in, you know, Monica and Natalie and Barry, and then somewhat differently to you, Yvette, is you know, navigating the space of, like myself, transitioning from assistant editor to editor in, in the space. And, you know, you bet you might be reaching for, you know, a passion project up and above and beyond. You know, when, when you've got parenting, when you've got pandemic, when you've got all of these things, and then you are an assistant editor who's trying to make that leap, you are, you're, you're extending yourself further. And I know myself, in my own process, like I'm signing my kid up for Little League Baseball, in addition to being a parent, in addition to being an AE, in addition to cutting as much as possible, like was one of these things that just almost broke the camel's back. And so I'm wondering if you've had, you know, similar experiences or how you've navigated that with your, with life or with your significant other and like the tension that that causes and creates, because I have a very supportive spouse, but there's always a limit, right? You always bump into something as you're trying to um, you know, better yourself or improve. And so I'm just curious about, you know, that sort of third space that you've experienced as a parent, as a parent specifically. Yvette, go ahead. I think this is so important because I think one of the things people don't talk about is like, it's like, okay, I have my job and I have my kids, but there's also like the spouse, the partner, the marriage, and you know, all that suffers. And I know for me, like we've had a lot of issues along the way and we've worked through them thankfully, but that's something that people often forget about and I think for us like the dynamic he's the one who's always like let's sign him up for this and let's sign him up for this and I'm like I don't have like the the brain room like if you want to do it you can you can do it so I I've sort of like left a lot of that to him so we really delineate like who does what in the household I really take care of more of the house stuff he takes more of the finance stuff like we really have clear boundaries with that stuff and I think that that's 
helped us. And I think, especially too, like when he was in preschool and we were just sort of starting to become like friends with all the other parents and socializing. I really, for me, like I stretched myself then like every single birthday party and every single school event. And I eventually, I was like, I have to stop. I can't do every single thing. Like I have to start to say no to something. So I think that's really important. You can't go to every single birthday party and you can't do every single event. Your kid can't be involved in every single thing. Like that for me was a very clear boundary that I had to draw when I saw it was piling up. Uh, Monica, go ahead. Well, for me, and it's been like this for years, the kids cannot sign up for any activity that takes place during the week. School is their activity. That's it. And the only activities they could sign up for are what we could squeeze in on the weekends. So they can't commit to any kind of teams, anything that would demand too much time, because I just don't have that time. And so they have recreational activities that they are only allowed to do on the weekend. But we, anything during the week is completely out. That isn't available at the school is how it's been in the past. There's just no time. And their dad, you know, at the time worked all the way in San Monica. He had no time. So it just wasn't going to happen. And it's unfortunate. I'd love them to be able to, partic- be able to participate in more things during the week so we didn't have to cram Saturday mornings. But that's just our reality. It's the same you got your hand up, Barry. Yeah, it's the same here with me, similar to Monica, that, um, you know, we just don't schedule anything for her during the week outside of, like, the after-school program. Um, And sometimes the school offers, like, enrichments. I'll sign her up with that because it's at the school. She doesn't have to go anywhere. So, but, yeah, our weekends are full with activities. And it's been nice with the pandemic canceling all of it and moving some of it online, uh, which has been fun. Like, I've shared a drawing class with her, which was great. But you can't do swim. So. <laughs> and they're just opening up again. But I don't want to, you know, have her overscheduled. And she was at one point, And so we just don't do that anymore. Yeah. And this is a, a conversation that I can interject in as well, where I'm very fortunate to have a, a wife that is a teacher, which is the perfect schedule for also being a parent. Because by 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, she gets to be the parent for the rest of the day. And I've reaped a lot of benefits of that. But one of the conversations we've had over and over and over, which I think is important to bring up when it comes to setting boundaries, better communication, all these themes that keep coming up. And frankly, these two themes are going to make a huge difference whether or not you have parents at all. So if you're thinking, well, I'm not even a parent. How do I get value out of this? In this post-pandemic world, you're going to have to learn how to better communicate remotely, especially your needs. And you're going to have to set boundaries so you're not available 24-7. But when it comes to this idea of family activities before the pandemic, I would always set very specific rules. And I would say, listen, I want our kids to be involved as much as they can be up to a certain limit. And I would generally say they can have three activities. Well, we have more time on this Thursday night or this Tuesday or whatever it is or Friday. And I would say you can't think about that one time block. Think about the activities that come with it. Think about the prep that comes with it, the driving that comes with it, and the result of running around for 14 hours a day, getting home and saying, I've got nothing left for my spouse. I've got nothing left for my kids. That's a real cost. So what I would do is we would just sit down. We'd have a really lengthy conversation and just say, we have seven days a week and 24 hours inside each of those days. That is the one equalizer that everybody on the planet has. Everything else is unique based on your schedules, your circumstances, what you were born into. Everybody 
has 24 hours a day and seven days a week. And if you sit down and figure out what does this actually look like based on what I can bring to the table, what you can bring to the table, where are we going to be at this time of week when they need to be here? Where is your mind? What are you, your other responsibilities? When you're forced to put it on the calendar, you're like, maybe we can't do this one thing. But you have to visually understand, wow, we're really – really setting expectations that we're never going to meet as parents. And I think that communication is necessary between spouses and between editors and directors and editors and producers. Like, I get that you want to have your cut down by Friday. Let's just talk about why that's never going to happen. And I've had this conversation before. Chris will attest to this, where my first week on Cobra Kai season two, the uh, associate producer who was brand new to the show, like all of us were, because the season two post department was a brand new group. And we got the first draft of the calendar and I looked at it and I just laughed out loud. I'm like, no, this is never going to happen. And the post producer came in and I said, listen, I just want to make one thing very clear. I can't meet a single deadline on this calendar. As long as you're cool with that, then we're going to be fine. She's like, okay, yes, we're, we're going to have to figure this out. I know it's, we've got problems. We'll work on it together. And since then we've been able to make it work, but I set the precedent that this is not manageable. And I think the precedent or the, the expectation that's often said is, well, this is what the calendar says. I'm going to have to figure out a way to make it work. And we don't set those boundaries. And before we were just barely getting by doing that, we're not going to be able to do that anymore. So I think setting these boundaries and knowing realistically what is it that we can do, whether it's you, Chris, trying to figure out Little League or whatever else it might be in this, this new world, we need to just look at once all of it is in the same bucket of seven days a week, what fits and what doesn't. And by the way, you know what else needs to be in there? Sleep and rest and breaks and walking like these are all things that are incredibly vitally important if we want to be creative professionals but i'm hoping that the theater of work dies a slow painful miserable horrible death i'm over it i've been over it for 20 years and if there's one thing that's going to be in the nail in the coffin i'm hoping it's working from home so then even if we do start to go back into the office it's a more relaxed understanding that the work gets done when it gets done. Obviously, like you said, Natalie, earlier, if there's a deadline, we need to be in the room and it's a cram session, I totally get that. But it can't be a 24-7 standard for the show across the board. But I, I wanted to put you on the hot seat just for a second, Edward. You're a really devout father. You put a lot of energy into it. I know it's a big part of your life. So do you have any thoughts about some of the conversations that we've had today as it applies to the, the next stage of your journey? Yeah, it's definitely been sort of interesting to sort of hear everyone sort of like trying to figure out like how to like balance everything. And especially having, you know, a two-year-old who I've been very fortunate that my wife's full-time stay-at-home mom right now. And so we've been sort of having the conversations, especially since pandemic hit of just like, oh, well, when, when she does go back to school or when she does go to like preschool, it's like, is she going to start working full-time? So then it's going to be, you know, are we going to have to start balancing a lot of that stuff more? So it's like trying to get prepared to sort of like, okay, now is can be even more critical to really like balance our time and all this stuff, you know, and before it's like, I was always just sort of like working. I always had the mentality of like, Oh, it's like, okay, my wife's home and you know, she can do all this stuff. So I won't come home for bedtime. But you know, having spent the better part of four months since my show got off in February, just 24 seven at home with my kid and sort of, you know, spending this time with her. It's just sort of like, you know, I like spending time with her. I like being a dad. I like, having all this stuff so it's like once we sort of go back to work you know in the hours we, that we do it's like i'm gonna have to really work hard to like find and maintain that balance and it's sort of like especially now that i want to make that transition into script it's like how am i going to be able to you know be able to strike that balance of between work and life but also you know make the impression of like yeah you know i'm willing to put in all the work and the hours to do so that way i can work on that 
that's out of the industry. So it's sort of going to be interesting to sort of see how I can sort of like balance all that stuff. Which is essentially what Chris was saying, where it's not just yeah. a matter of how do I do the same job that I was doing post pandemic as a parent. It's how do I actually make the transition, which was felt nearly impossible even before all this started. And I think that one of the fears that I've heard a lot, and I'll, we'll jump back to you, Natalie, in a second, um, but a, a fear that I've heard from people a lot is now that we're not working in offices, how do I build a relationship with an editor so they can refer me and they can put me in the chair and I can get the job? Now it's just about what I see on the screen or what I see on Slack or Trello or email. And I feel that's another huge step forwards that people are going to have to take, which is really learning how do I reach out and build a remote connection? Because we all know, everybody on this call knows that if you want to get first in the assistant's chair, but then in the editor's chair, it's all referrals and relationships. I don't think anybody got their current job that's working in our area of the business because they went online and found a job posting. It's all referrals. So if now we're just a little tiny head in a rectangle or we're a little avatar on Slack or Trello, how do we make that happen? I mean, that, I think that's a conversation for another call because we're already almost 90 minutes into this one. So I want to wrap this one up. Um, but I think that that's going to be a huge thing going forwards, not just for parents, but for everybody. If I'm making the transition, how do I get in front of the right people and prove that I can do the job when I can actually be in the same room and build that comfort and that trust that I would be building? So I'm, I'm kind of planting that seed for another conversation because we're not going to get into it. Uh, but Natalie, with a few minutes we have left, I wanted to, to make sure you had your you could share your thought because you had your hand up. And I love, by the way, that Edward is just I on know. the call and his kid's like right in front of his camera, like, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Your timing is perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so one of the things that I've been on my, on my sort of like parenting podcast is that you sort of is, it's a little bit of self-care, so like reminding you about self-care as well as a parent, because you sort of tend to forget that, especially as you have more and more kids. But what I love to, so I listen to this podcast called um, Unruffled with Janet Lansbury, and she has these great sort of this great way of looking at parenting. It's, it's about, it's not about like having to change the work. It's about changing your perception of the work. So your perception of the work is that like, you know, right now, like my kid is doing these things. I have to be there for everything that my kid is doing. I have to be there for the, the baseball practice and the games and the this and then it's like, of course, like when they're older, you know, you have to be able to pick and choose what you can be there for. But she, you know, she's a parenting expert and a child psychology expert. And she says like, we don't have to be there as much as we think we need to be there. Like there's definitely like there's stuff that you want to be there for. You want, like, I understand that whole, like, you know, if you don't make it home for bedtime one night, it feels very, you know, it feels heartbreaking to you for a night. Um, and you really want to make up for it the next day and you feel guilt. And so what she tries to do is sort of alleviate that guilt and saying that like our kids, they don't need us as much as we think they need us. Like when we were growing up, like we didn't have our parents attention as much as we give to our kids. Like, we sort of like figured it out, right? Like when we were older, we went and found neighbors to go play with. When we're younger, we find like a toy and then you sort of like figure out how to play with it, especially if you have siblings. The siblings get together, make their own sort of games or whatever. And she she called it like from our, our parents' generation or her parents' generation, she's older, she's 50, benign neglect, as in like, that's just how parenting was. Like you let the kids play, do kid things. Like you don't get on the floor and play with your kids, which is what we do now to be involved and to help with their development. But she's saying like, there's a middle ground. Like you don't have to, like kids can survive and kids can figure things out more than we think, more than maybe we give them credit for. So as much as we want to keep putting it on ourselves, like we have to be there, we have to, we have to, we have to. There's so much that they can do and there's so much that they can figure out that like we can start taking that time for us. We can start taking back some of our time and using some of that time to, if you're an assistant trying to move up, 
to cut scenes. So if we're all remote and you're working for an editor who's maybe new and you say, hey, I can cut scenes, you know, maybe when the kids go to bed and you haven't put in, you know, a, whole, a full 10 hour day, or if you want to do that outside of your 10 hours, because it is extra on the assistant. And I know there's a different, I, I know that that is a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Don't get me started on that one. That soapbox is in the other room. Right. Yeah. Right. How do you go off on that one? But anyway. yeah, how do you try to make the transition while not having to pull those extra hours like that? Totally. But in the, if you do have to cut those scenes and stuff, you can do it after the kids go to bed and it's tiring. And I got, I had a, a person tell me like, I said, you know, you've got to get your, you know, I had an assistant working for me. I said, you got to get your work done. You know, she was spending a lot of time on the scenes during the day. And I said, look, I get it. You want to cut the scenes. You want to be in the editing chair. I, I see that. But the thing is, it's like, you got to do it outside of your other assistant work. It can't be, I can't be waiting on sound work because you're cutting scenes all day. That's just not how it works. And she's like, well, I don't want to cut scenes at seven o'clock. I'm like, I don't want to cut scenes at seven o'clock either, but I got to do it. So like, it's just one of those things that like, if you start sort of looking at your parenting duties, it's like, okay, well maybe my kids can handle this on their own a little bit. And I can start taking some time for me to focus on my career and to focus on the things that I need to do. Cause it's temporary. If you do have to really grind it out to be, you know, to move up to the editing, it is temporary. You don't have to continue to do it. Cause when you're an editor, you do get that freedom. You do get a you do get that freedom back. You do get that sort of cloud of like, I am the editor. I can, I can set these boundaries. I have more power in the room than maybe you think you do like when you first get there. Like when you're on an interview, so I'm always surprised by this. When I go into interview, I'm still surprised by it. I go into interviews, they're like, hey, the top producer is working for like these very top high-ranking production companies. They're going to be interviewing you. I'm like, me? Why, are, why am I talking to these people? These people are very important. Why are they talking to me? It's like, because you're the editor. You're a head, you're a department head. You are an important piece of the puzzle. And so you matter, right? So you need to like, so then you have to go into it knowing that like, it is temporary. It's not a great temper. It's not a great transition thing we got with do that later but what we have now is that like try to cut those scenes try to show that like you're and then your editor can vouch for you because that's the way to do it like then the editor sees like oh you can do this and if it's an editor who's not afraid of you know someone usurping them which they shouldn't be you know then they'll help you out and hopefully hopefully they will help you out if, if you know if, you, if you're working for a good editor which sometimes you do i don't know if you work for a really good editor or not <laughs> i don't know why that was directed at me <laughs> but anyway, uh, Monica, you had your hand up. You know, going through a, kind of a little bit of a career change and trying to work my way back up to editing after editing for so long. And you know, I used to work eight hour days and then my days went to 10 to 12 to 14 hour days, depending on my show. My kids are old enough and I had to go through difficult times where my daughter was, would tell me, it was like, mama, I don't like your current job because all the extra hours I had to work. What I found is really helpful. It's I explained if I have to work late or if, you know, as I, if I have to stay late to cut extra scenes, I'll tell the kids about my day. I'll explain to them like why and what I'm doing and they get really excited. And even for my own health, I started doing aerial yoga, but that means I have to like leave and not hang out with them. And certain times in the weekend, or if they barely see me, it's like, oh no, this is why this is important for me to go. It's really good for me. It's healthy. And so now my kids have the attitude. It's like, okay, yeah, no, you need to go do your aerial yoga. You go, I'll see you when you get back. And they're like, they're fine. But it's like, I, I communicate with them. I explain to them like why this time away from them. It's, it's like really important. There's some things I need to do, but knowing that I'm going to be back and I'll schedule activities with them or things with them. And if for some reason I have to stay late and I'm not able to make a, make it, 
I will call them and I will explain to them and I will talk to them. I mean, kids just want to know they're loved and you got to remember in their little mind, you're their whole world. So it's like me communicating with them is, you know, it's helped them a lot to understand like why I need to be away for a little bit, why I need to take this extra time to cut scenes or, or work a little longer. And uh, that really helps them understand and not feel like they're being neglected and unloved. And I always, you know, I, I don't take side projects or stop taking them because it's like, the, unless I have to work overtime, the weekends are for my family. It's like, nope, nope, I'm with them. When, I'm, when I take my daughter to gymnastics, I watch her the full hour. When I take her to dance, I watch her the full hour because it's so important to her. And I give her my focus and my attention just like I would give my work. And I think for people trying to transition, that's going to be where communication will be key even more so now because the editors are going to be in their little home. The assistants will be in their little home. The editors have a lot they're thinking about. They're not thinking about your career path. You got to think about your career path and remind them, hey, by the way, remember you were going to hopefully help me along with this. You know, it's people are going to have to be really proactive about that. And, you know, if there's like notes calls with producers or whatnot, like the assistants, if the editor doesn't invite the assistants, the assistants need to be like, hey, can I be on that call too? Just even if you're not doing anything, if you're just taking notes, if you're there present, the producer knows you're present. You need any little like connection you can make, you need to take that step. And it's, I mean, I was always in the room with my editor and the producers and you know, they got used to seeing me there and asking my opinions about cuts and about story. And so it's, it's going to take a different form, but it's going to be on people to take that initiative themselves. Other people aren't going to take it for you unless they're being really like, go get her about helping you. It's like, you have to help that along. Something I've been talking about for years that I think is going to be so important with everything that's going on now. We have been taught, we've been conditioned that the Holy Grail is this thing called work-life balance. I think work-life balance is a bunch of crap. I don't think it exists. I think what we need to work towards instead is work-life presence. I think the aerial yoga is the perfect example. If we're talking about balance and you were to put hours on a calendar and you were going to do a mathematical balancing scale, you're taking time away from your kids so you can do something for yourself. But you've alluded to and you're, even you've, your kids have discovered the quality of you as a person as a mom during the times when you are with them is so far superior because you took that time away. That to me is work-life presence. You are completely present with your kids. You are there with them. Maybe not for the number of hours that's equal to when you're balancing with where you are for, with work, but when you're at work, you're also equally present. And that's what I've been trying to figure out for years is not how do I balance the amount of hours and find this elusive balance that everybody wants. How can I just develop the skills to be equally present when I'm with my kids is when I'm with my showrunners, is with I'm when with directors, producers, writers, with my ninja buddies, wherever I am, that's where I am. We have a, a saying when we're doing our ninja training. Whenever we, we're up against a really difficult obstacle and people start to get nervous, we ask two questions. Where are you? Here. What time is it? Now. It helps develop this idea of being present with what you're doing. And I think the the yoga is such a good example. You go to do your yoga, you're not with your kids, but you're such a better mom for it. And that's, again, why I think we need to set these boundaries with the people that we're going to be working with and communicate with them. Listen, 
you give me this time to do this thing and you don't suck away my life 24 seven, I'm going to be so much better for you when I am available. Those are the things we need to get better communicating to people. So on that note, I just wanted to thank everybody that is here on the call. I want to thank my panelists, specifically Barry, Monica, Yvette, Natalie, and I want to thank everybody else that showed up. I want to thank everybody that has been watching via Facebook Live. I want to thank everybody that is on the call here. Stay safe, healthy, sane, and of course, be well. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even going to send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.